K-Web. 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 Hi, I'm Yvette Xu. I'm Suki Zing, and you're listening to K-Web. On today's show, Connection. You're going to hear about connections with technology, family, friends, and even on the road. So during our pitch meeting, we were talking about all forms of connection, and one of the first things that came to mind was Ancestry. And recently, we've all been hearing about this super popular genetic testing service. 23andMe? 23andMe. 23andMe? 23andMe. 23andMe making its trading debut today. Secretive mother, a grandfather she had never met, in a family history that she never suspected. So the way it works is that you order the sample kit, spit in a little tube, and drop it off at the post office. Then a couple of months later, your ancestry and health predispositions show up in your inbox. Miss Brosh was the only person on the K-Web team that's done 23andMe, so we put her on the case. Here's the story. The results weren't so surprising. 75% Ashkenazi Jewish and the other quarter North African. It also told me I'd likely love chocolate and vanilla ice cream equally and have at least a little unibrow. What did catch my eye, however, was the family tree feature. The service automatically calculates and adds close DNA relatives they find in their database and adds them to your tree. So in addition to my closest relatives who have done 23andMe, I can also see some second and third cousins who I've never met or heard of. On my mom's side, I know most of my extended family, but I don't know anyone on my dad's side. I've always attributed this to things like the Holocaust and the fact that my dad and his family immigrated to the US from France in the 1970s, leaving behind family I would never meet. When we decided to make Connection the theme of this month's show, I took it as an opportunity to track down some of the relatives, history, and circumstance has separated me from. I'm going to type a message back to Susan, born 1965, and apparently she's my third cousin, and she sent me a message in September, so that was a long time ago. I'm going to say... Hello, Susan. I would be happy to connect with you. Would you be open to a phone call? Is that weird? Don't worry about it. Go for it. Unless she's lying to me, she's going to take my identity and kill me. I don't think that's how this is going to work. All right, send. Unfortunately, Susan never replied, so I tried again. Okay, so I'm trying a different cousin. The only other person that is coming up on my dad's side is a person named Jacob. She appears to be my third cousin on my dad's side. On the family tree, it says that it's my dad's parents, parents, parents. So second great-grandparents. Hmm, interesting. I don't know anything about those people. Let's find her email and send her a little message. Journalism. Hello from your possible cousin. And send... 
Ten minutes later, she responded, and we made a plan to get on the phone the following week. Hi. Hi, this is Elle. Hi, Elle. Nice to speak to you. Nice to speak to you, too. Thank you so much for taking the time to connect with me. I really appreciate it. But yeah, so we're we're cousin like on on like my mother's side, right? Do you do you know? No, I'm actually not sure exactly um, which side of your you know parents were related on, but I know that we're related from my dad's mother's side, I believe. Um, Your dad's mother. Okay. Yeah. Um, I mean, I can, I can tell you a little bit about what I know and my family history, and then maybe we can connect the dots. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. Sounds great. Um, so my dad was um, born in Israel um, uh-huh. and his mother, um, whose name is Ariane, um, she was born in Lyon, France, um, but her, both of her parents were from North Africa. So her father was named Azar uh, Kalbash, and I think that he was from Morocco. And then her mother was named Zara, um, what was her last name? Zara Benhamu. And she was from Mascara, Algeria. Okay, so Benhamo is my is my mother's family name. Okay, there you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so I, I know um a little bit about my great grandma, I guess, about Zara. Um, but I, I don't know much. All I know is that she could not read or write. Um yeah. and that she was like pretty much a standard stay-at-home mom um and then I also know a decent amount about um my my grandma and she had nine siblings um and they all lived in France and they were all um separated during the war and um which war are you talking about like the you know uh, the like world war or like the independence war uh world war ii so during the holocaust yeah my my grandma i think was like eight or so and um her and her siblings lived on i think a couple of different farms throughout like the french countryside and they lived with some like i guess gentile families and and then i i i know that my i know that her father who i guess zara the zara ben hamu uh married i know that she or I know that he was a volunteer for the French army and went, they went to France in like 1916 or something. Like, I don't, I don't know a lot about her family side. I know a little bit more about like my grandpa's side. So I'm interested to hear about like what, you know, about that side Uh, of the family, just to get a better idea. Sure. So, um, uh, my mother was born right after they left Algeria. Um, and everyone pretty much left in 62 or soon after 62 when Algeria became independent. Mm. Um, so, you know, when like in my family, when they talk about the war, it's the war of independence of Algeria, you know? Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, you know, the, the kind of story you're telling me, it's very similar. Like, uh, you know, they, they didn't know how to read really, uh, you know, my, my, 
my grandparents are cousins because uh-huh. you just married your cousins wow. you know like they yeah yeah i mean you know not like close cousins yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> but, but but you know like it's just it was like they lived in tiny villages uh and you had to marry someone who was jewish mm-hmm. and you know chances are uh this person was like your sort of fourth cousin or something like that right um and uh, yeah, you know, the, the stories I've heard of Algeria is supposed to face that they loved, uh, but that hurt them very much. Um, you know, having to leave Algeria was very painful, very sudden. They had to leave everything behind. Yeah, it's a, it's a very painful story. You know, it's a story of like colonialism and, you know, those people were taught self-hate mm-hmm. very early on. You know, they were like, uh, they were indigenous. They weren't French. But they were like forced to assimilate with the French, and then ultimately, when those countries, you know, became independent, like they didn't, they didn't belong anymore. You know, like, they were told that like whatever was local wasn't good, and whatever was French was good, and that you know, France in Algeria was coming in to save the country, to bring modernity, mm-hmm. um, things like that. You know, and and it still shows, like it still pervades. Um, colonial ideology very much ingrained that idea uh, in the minds of the community, you know, the Jewish community in Algeria, that you were either French or you were Arab, and like, if you were something that wasn't of those two categories, like, you needed to change. So yeah, and, and you know, I was just looking at like the I have a family tree that I'm happy to send you. But yeah, you can see like there's this clear cut at some at some point, like just everyone gets French names. It was hard in Algeria because they were told that they were like too Arab to be French, really, you know? Yeah. And then they moved to France and they were rejected because they were seen as Arabs over there, you know? And I think that has like, that came with a lot of trauma. It's very moving hearing this story because my grandma, when I was growing up, she definitely had, you know, her in her cooking has elements of like Moroccan and Algerian and just, you know, generally North African cooking. Mm-hmm. Um, but also she is very obsessed with being French, like in a very, very yeah. intense way. Yeah, and that sounds so familiar. Yeah. So familiar. Like, and she just loves, and, and also the way that she tells the story about her life, like she even talks about how after the war she met these people and they were all members of the parliament and she's like very proud of that. And so, you know, I've never really understood why that was a part of her story and how there was so much romanticization of her narrative. And so listening to your story is also, it just kind of informs some of the like generational trauma that she experienced on that end that mm-hmm. is not just from the Holocaust. I have the 23andMe up, and so it says here that, so it's my dad, and then his mother, and then her parents, and then it says that there's a step up, so that would be my grandma's grandmother. Um, okay. And then okay. from there, there's like a link, 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 and then you're at the very bottom. <laughs> You know, I, I think it's really cool, the 23 me thing, but yeah, sometimes I also, I just like, I'm not sure 
I'm not sure how they define those categories, you know, like, cause, mm-hmm. well, first, there's a category for Ashkenazi Jews, and there's no category for Sephardi Jews. Like, a little rude, you know, a little... Is that true? Little, oh, I, I guess you're yeah. right. It's just Western, yeah, yeah. Asian, and North African. Yeah, I mean, you know, the truth is that it's an American product. And, like, mm. the Sephardi Jew category in America is, like, probably really a marketable, marketable category, you know? Right. Like, uh... uh I mean, I don't know. I've been living in the U.S. for a long time at this point, and, like, I really do not identify with the category of Jew here. I mean, obviously, I'm Jewish. Like, yeah. someone asks me, I tell them I'm Jewish, but, like, you know, I don't get the culture. I don't get the music. I don't get the food. <laughs> like, you know, it's, like, uh, it feels very foreign to me. And, yeah. you know, my boyfriend, my boyfriend is, like, a, I mean, I, I don't know, Polish, probably, like, Polish-Russian kind of Jew, you know? And, yeah. like, I it's like dating someone from a different culture yeah you know so are you you're not ashkenazi at all at all uh like nothing like i think uh it came out like 0.2 percent like you know because it's the superior jew like Mm. it's the jew that has like the books and the culture and the philosophy and like you know ultimately what it is is like a it's racism you know it's internalized racism At this point in the conversation, we realized that the search for a mystery ancestor transcended 23andMe. So we moved to a relic many Jewish families have, a handwritten family tree Jacob's uncle made. She emailed it to me and we looked at it together. You'll see Joseph Benemu, that's the grandfather I'm telling you about. Okay. Who I believe, like, that's kind of the connection between you and I. Mm -hmm. And uh, there's listed... There's like the his mother and his father. Makluf is that that's a man, right? Yeah, Makluf is a man. Okay, so and again, like it's a, it's a name. Makluf is a name that has never been given to someone my generation or my father's my mother's generation. Right. Makluf is like it connotes being Arab. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So I'm thinking yeah. that Makluf probably had a sibling that is related to my great grandma. Okay. Or I guess, so I think Makluf might be our connecting dude. I'm sorry. I don't know more. I, no, I, this I, has been amazing. I'm, I feel like I know so much more and I know that my dad and his sister would really appreciate it. Okay. Well, you know, I feel like I haven't even, you know, like we haven't even We chatted for another 30 minutes about our upbringings, interests, and our nice Jewish boyfriends. It truly felt like talking to a kindred spirit. My new cousin is awesome, but we didn't quite solve the mystery of our common ancestor. For more clues, my dad and I paid my grandparents, Amnon and Ariane Brosh, a visit at their apartment they have been living in for the last 30 years. Hi guys! So nice to see you guys! Nice to see you too! Thanks for having us. I'm so happy you decided to come and visit. Uh Yes! Hi Papa! Nice to see you. Where should we sit? We sat down on the light yellow couch that has been there for as long as I can remember. Family photos and artificial flowers burst from the shelves. Grandma opened with an update to her napping ritual, but could sense that something was up. My, okay, what's your side of the story? I, I just came, Elle was going to come over, so I was like, oh, it's a perfect excuse to yeah. see you guys. 
and to see L too. Yeah. But also, but also, I have, I have a, a, a kind of a crazy story. A story? You yes. mean I'm supposed to write a story? No, no. I'm going to tell you a story. Okay. And then after I tell you the story, hopefully you can continue the story. <laughs> it's all a puzzle. Okay. I mean, so I'm 60 years married to this guy, I'll tell you any story. <laughs> okay, so I, you know, 23 and me. You have 23 and me. It's the ancestry thing where you can see. Yeah. Basically, I was on 23 and me and on 23 and me, you can connect with your relatives. Okay. So I can see you on 23 and me and it says that you're my grandma, obviously. Also, it shows you people that you have close genetic ancestry makeup with. And so I was looking on my tree and I saw that there was a person who was showing up as my third cousin then I could see where her relatives were from, and they were all from Algeria and Morocco. What's her name? Jacob. Okay. So then I saw, I emailed her, I got, I got her email, and I said, do you want to talk to me? And she said, yeah, I'll talk to you. So I called her on the phone yesterday. Ah! And so we tried to take the lineage back all the way to the top to see who is the connecting ancestor so maybe you can figure it out her mom's maiden name is benhamu her father's uh last name is benhamu and his name is joseph benhamu and then his father's name was makluf makluf benhamu yeah do you know who that is makluf is really an arabic name do you want to see a picture of Joseph Benamou? Yes. Just as things started to get a little bit more clear, Grandma sprinted up to go get some old family photos so she could put some faces to this web of names. We tried to break it down. Ah. Okay, so okay, so this dude in the turban is Mosh, Moshe. Moshe. And Moshe... <laughs> you know what Mosh means in French? What? Ugly! Oh my god, that's funny. Moshe Benhamu is your grandfather. Voila! Joseph Benhamu is your uncle. Voila! And okay. so I'm gonna show you her family tree, and you can tell me if you. Give me names! This is her. Jacob. Jacob. This is her mom, Judith. Benhamu. And then her mom's father was named Joseph Benhamu. Yeah. So, but, so this Joseph was probably not the same Joseph as uh, I the don't little think, guy. No, because I would have known. Oh. You want I to think, eat something? What do you got? Some it is custom in Jewish households to interrupt a confusing ancestry investigation with a cookie offering. After a short break, I corralled Grandma back to the yellow couch for more detective work. Okay, what else do you want to know? What is this? So she sent me a picture of her grandpa. This is Joseph Benhamu, her, okay. gra- her grandfather. Do you know that guy? He has the face of the Sephardi Jews that I met when I grew up, yes. Yeah. But he's no Joseph Benamou that I showed you now. But then, who's Maclouf? I My mother had a nephew called Maclouf. Okay. And his father was Benamou. Okay. And he's... They were all Benamou, and this ugly guy happens to be Maclouf. <laughs> Wait, he was ugly? Very ugly. <laughs> 
Okay. Mm. Wait, one more question. Did your did your um mom have siblings? Nine kids. No, no, no. Did she have any siblings? Zara, she your mom. She had my mother had a brother who was older than her, stayed in Africa, who kept on who what kept was what was his name? Uh, the name is going to come back. So he had this older brother. Uh, he came to see my mother one day. Was he was fat. He wasn't fat. He, he, I could tell he was eating the wrong food. Ah, uh, yeah. And she also had the sister whose mother died the day of her wedding. And my mother was three years old and she was 16. Got it. What was that sister's name? Mamach. Okay. And then that was it? Just two? That's all I remember. Mamach, my mother, and that older brother. Let me ask you this question. To be someone's third cousin, what what has to happen? It says that we share a great-great-grandparent. Could be. Or a second great-grandparent. Wait, hold Could on. Be. So that would be... So either her grandfather or her grandmother... What is, you guys share that? Yeah. I think it might be Moshe. I think it might be that guy. So let me break it down for you. Moshe is my grandma's maternal grandpa. So my great-great-grandpa. He had a son who is this mysterious, unnamed older brother of my great-grandma Zara... Then that dude had a son named Makluf, who would be my grandma's first cousin and Jacob's great-grandpa. As the investigation seemed to be coming to a close, my grandpa, who was pushing his mid-90s and hard of hearing, chimed in to remind us of the importance of our family story. Listen, look, look at our family, okay? She, I am Ashkenazi. Ay, ay, ay. There's nobody as such as he is. And can bring people like her and his sister. He's very proud of the mixing. There's clearly like, whoever said that this was a bad idea, it's not a bad idea. What's a bad idea? The interracial marriage, you know what I mean? No, no, it's... It's, it's, it's probably him, the root of all good ideas. Right. Alinette, uh, right, but that's what he's saying. Yeah, he, he, that's what he's saying. But clearly, that clearly there's people that dis- disagree because there did, are a lot of Ashkenazi did, Jews that did, are racist and, and towards Sephardic, Sephardic Jews, Jews. Too, that will not... What did you say? We hit the genetic jackpot. Okay. Uh, are you looking for investors in your business? Just when I thought the case was closed, the mystery split wide open again. But the truth is, this mystery, this unknown, has allowed me to feel more connected to my culture than I ever have. The folklore, the traditions, the continual looking back is where we can find where we belong. Chapter 2. Phoning it in. Reporter Yvette Shu investigates the crazy, funny, and heartwarming stories of people addicted to the internet. How many tries did you guess it in? Four. Okay, I got it in three. Four, three. That's not. What four. are you on? I'm on two. You got We're talking about Wordle. 
This simple game has entirely taken over our K-Web meetings. No cheating. For the unenlightened, Wordle is a daily puzzle in which users try to guess a random five-letter word in less than six tries. I'm not. I'm looking at words upside down to, like, help. That's cheating. It is? It's fun, okay. but it can get extremely frustrating. I have all five. They're just in different places? Yeah, I got it. So imagine my surprise when I walked into my human migration class one afternoon. What if it's... S-K-O-O-O-O-O-O-O-O-O-O-O-O-O-O-O-O-O-O-O-O-O-O-O-O-O-O-O-O-O-O-O-O-O-O-O-O-O-O-O-O-O-O-O-O-O-O-O-O-
Um, and if you share a mutual server with someone else, if you have your settings set in a certain way, they can directly message you. I usually keep it on because I don't mind it, and usually people are normal, and they don't randomly message people. But one day, I got a message from someone I didn't know. I only shared one server with them, and they said, uh, here's quote unquote, how are you doing? I respond poorly. They respond, oh, all right. I just started streaming before two months ago, but I am not able to increase my followers and viewers. I have only two to three views. And I decided, hmm, this seems like it could get interesting. So instead of blocking this person, I decided to just kind of start ranting to them about competitive Pokemon. And they seemed to take my advice very seriously for some reason. And that led me to believe that this is either someone who is extremely naive or likely an eight-year-old who started streaming on Twitch. Yeah, it just goes on and on. And then for some reason, they keep taking me seriously. So sometimes it's good to unplug. There's just so much that has been going on in the news. I, it just like hurts me inside. And so I feel like I need to contain that. <laughs> At least that's what it seems like on paper. Like I read somewhere that if you turn your phone into black and white, then it'll be less addictive. So I always turn it on the black and white and then I really want to look at a picture and I turn it back to color and then I start looking at a bunch of pictures and I never turn it back into black and white and then I'm just addicted to my phone again. And that's not even the most extreme way to disconnect. Sometimes all you need is a little water. We got to Catalina the first day. Pretty much by day two we were on a kayaking trip and at this point it was so cold, it was so windy, pretty much everybody wanted to go home. And the kayaking was of course beautiful and Gucci and I were partners again because I couldn't kayak very well and he offered to help out because he's just that nice of a guy. <laughs> um, so we go out into the kayak. Our instructor in comparison to the other group like took us a hundred feet out deeper into the water and made us do kayak challenges because he just wanted us to get in the water. So like stand on the kayak, try and paddleboard on the kayak, stupid challenges that are clearly impossible. Gooch and I have about a foot height difference and maybe a hundred pound weight difference. So that was just not even gonna work for us even if we were both incredibly like balanced people. So we get on the kayak, we capsize it maybe three or four times and prior to the kayaking I gave Gooch this like cool lanyard he could put his phone in so we could take photos and it'd be waterproof. And so we capsized it and I was on the kayak and he said, me, hold my phone, hold my phone. And I was like, oh yeah, sure. So I put it on the kayak thinking, okay, great, he's just gonna hop on. But because of the weight difference, he hopped on and the kayak flipped and I didn't put it on around my neck. So it just sunk to the bottom of the ocean. And I remember right when the kayak flipped, I was thinking to myself, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, his phone. And so I look underwater and I see this white case drifting down to the bottom of the sea like a leaf in the wind and I'm vigorously swimming after it, my face down in the water, but I have a life jacket on. So I'm not even going anywhere. My legs are just kicking in the air. And then I had to get up over the water and tell Gooch that I lost his phone. Honestly, I was kind of surprised when I found out that my phone fell out of the kayak when it flipped over. I, I didn't know that it was just like sitting there in the kayak. Um, and I was kind of just upset that my phone floated away, but I was, I was, you know, fine with it. It was a fun trip overall. Losing my phone sucked, but you know, not, not too bad. I uh, had to just use someone else's phone to call my parents to pick me up. And about that, uh, other than that, I was totally fine. And we're still great friends, so. But at the end of the day, technology is definitely not optional. Um, I see technology as more of like, it's now becoming like a lifestyle in a lot of cities and like in the world and not just something like that's in your hands. It's now becoming like more open, such as like the internet and people now being able to like search things up and you know, like 
just create a whole other world. And maybe that's not such a bad thing after all. Maybe that's the point of technology. It's a tool meant to connect us even more closely to the people around us. Um, it can be really useful for relationships, creating new ones, finding people with similar interests to you, which is always nice to have, especially if like sometimes at school, you may not be able to find that. The two apps that I like to use to connect with people um, are like, I, I like to play dominoes with my dad, uh, as well as Sudoku. Just it keeps us connected and it, sometimes I FaceTime him when I'm we're playing, you know, just to stay connected. So there are apps that I use to maintain my relationships with people that are far away. Maybe Mr. Hansen was onto something after all. Listen to us, all laughing and joking around. It's almost like we didn't have a 20-page legal document to close read and annotate that was due by the next week. What's for Okay, uh, you've you listened to a song. song. Oh, okay. Well, they did, um... Can we do Hurdle? Yeah, we oh, you, you just have to name the song. It's A-T-A-R. A-T-A-R-D-L-E. If you guys don't know it, like, it's... You get, like, one second, and then you can skip until you get... So you get more time to listen to the intro. And basically, if you skip to the very end, then you know what the song is going to be. But, like, so you just play, like, the first second. <laughs> Oh, oh, Caitlin Delgado will be speaking about roommate relationships. She will talk about Peyton and Neva's relationship living together and the sisterly bond they share. I was saying how, like, this one teacher's like my favorite teacher, and she was like about to say that. Like, and she was like, yeah. oh my god, like, I was, I was gonna say that. that. This is Peyton and Neva, two freshmen at Webb and roommates in the South Hutch dorm. Today, the two girls are attached at the hip, but they told me it hasn't always been that way. Well, yeah, the first week was pretty awkward. I mean, like, we didn't, like, start actually talking until, like, after the retreat. So, like, the first week was, like, very awkward. Like, like I remember this one time I, I would, like, <laughs> talk to her and she wouldn't answer. So I was like, oh, she probably yeah, I just me. didn't hear her, so. Yeah, but, like, um... After the retreat, it was, like, pretty nice. We just started talking. Every morning, Peyton and Eva and I get up really early to head to breakfast. Hello. As roommates, they have a really close bond. And as a friend, I see this. Not only during the day, but when we have that morning together. Being a roommate and a close friend at the same time for Peyton and Eva means being honest with each other, having the same interests, and joking around in the dorm, especially in the morning when they have just gotten up. They stay really close with each other, and when I mean really close, I mean really close. Their daily schedule is almost the same, staying together throughout the day. Peyton and Eva are not only close, but really similar. I gotta spend some time getting to understand their relationship a little better. When interviewing Peyton and Eva, they told me... I, I already knew that um, she liked the same interest... I already knew that she had the same interest that I did because she emailed me. No, because she emailed me. And um, 
She was like, hi, I like Marvel. I did not know why she emailed me, but she just said, okay, I our like moms Marvel. made us email no. <laughs> It was the school. The school emailed me. They're like, why don't you just email your roommates? So I was like, okay. And I realized that was an awkward choice. Anyways, um, when we first started talking, it was like the last, it was, well, we only spent, spent one night at the retreat, right? Yeah, but like we actually started talking about our actual, like our, about our interests, like that night. Um, but, like, before that, I already knew that she liked Marvel, but it was just very awkward. Like, she liked Marvel herself, whatever. Like, I like those things, too. Um, we, we, like, have the exact same interests and stuff. Um, I really wanted to hear about Eva and Peyton's twinning life, so I asked them, what is it like almost being a twin? Yeah, sometimes, like, (laughs) we... (laughs) We do say some of the same things. I think the exact same things. Um, <laughs> and we like la- <laughs> Okay, I'm gonna speak We have like a lot of Like, kind of like We just think about the same things at the like the exact same time Or like the it, same right? day <laughs> No, I don't wanna look um, Like for example today Like that, this just happened like 10 minutes ago And I was like Oh, remember this one time <laughs> I don't wanna discuss the conversation that we had was that oh my god remember this one time where you like confused something with this thing and (laughs) and she goes oh yeah i was just thinking about that yeah that was like a couple minutes ago but um i remember this one time um i was seeing this song in my head in the morning i was getting ready and then eva okay (laughs) eva starts i don't know if she started singing it out loud or played it on her phone or something but it was weird and we also say some things at the exact same time it happens all the time. All the time. Yeah. yeah, it's kind of creepy if you think about it. But, like, <laughs> the other day, too, like, we were walking and we were talking about, like, this one class that we have. And I was saying how, like, this one teacher is, like, my favorite teacher. And she was, like, about to say that. Like, and she was like, yeah, oh, my God. Like, I was, was going to say that. Because Caitlin, um, the person that's interviewing us, was talking. I was like, right after the, she's done speaking, I'm going to say this is my favorite teacher. But then Eva interrupted me and said the exact same thing. So I thought that was weird. Um, is it hard sometimes being roommate, having the same interests and being so similar, or do you like it that way? I, I like it that I, way. I like it that way because, like, I feel like a lot of people at Web, like, don't have, like, um, the opportunity to be, like, as close as, uh, to their roommate um, because they don't really have the same interests. And, like, like, I know certain people that actually don't, like have that connection you know but it's pretty nice because like inside the dorm inside the dorm you can actually like talk to a person um that's not like just outside your dorm so like yeah but even if a roommate has the same interests in the same everything will they really want to be together or be friends for the rest of their time here at web do you guys think you'll have a single or a double next year with each other? Uh, double. double. <laughs> <laughs> we already. We already Which dorm do you prefer? Yeah. South Edge. Really? Yes. You don't want to try like. No. Do you think this relationship will last for the rest of your time here at Web or even after Web? Probably. Well, probably. <laughs> I hope so. Hopefully. Hopefully, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, like, the only reason I think it might not last that long is probably, like, just in case... Stop! Leave me alone! <laughs> just, to, like, in case we get in a fight or something. But, like, like we don't really like, fight. No, like, if we fight, it's about, like, stupid childish things. That like, we, like... Honestly, don't even fight about it. So, like, jokingly fight. Like Marvel? 
No, we don't no, really we fight, don't about fight about Marvel. Actually, yes, we did. The about Order what? of the X movies. <laughs> oh, yeah. Girl, you're so stupid. <laughs> okay. Um, right yeah, here, but, right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but anyways, like, we don't really, like, I don't, we just fight about, like, really dumb stuff. Um, so, do you think it will last after one? Yes. Yeah. If, like, we don't fight. Like, big fight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If that doesn't happen, I'm pretty sure we'll still talk during, like, college and stuff, depending on, like, where we go, you know? Yeah. I take a special interest in Peyton and Eva's closeness, because the twist is, Peyton is actually my fraternal twin. Upcoming to Web, my sister and I have always been roommates. We've shared a womb, a room, and a bathroom. I chose to interview my mom because she has always been there our whole life. Okay, so how would you describe our relationship? So I would say that you and your sister are very close. Um, I think you really understand each other and, um, you know, probably tell each other things you don't tell anyone else. I think you know each other very, very well. And I think that's a great thing. Um, But at the same time, I feel like sometimes it can be hard because um, sometimes you both want to do different things and you're both stubborn and I love that you're strong and stand up for your opinions and want to do what you want to do and express that um but sometimes you know you don't always want to do the same thing but I think that ultimately it's a wonderful relationship because I feel that you really love each other you're best friends and you'll always have that bond and I think you always have each other's back and that's the most important thing Growing up, my bond with my sister from being a twin to always having each other's back is strong. I've learned about the power of sisterhood and how we can share that with others. Peyton has learned about sisterhood growing up and has now been able to pass this on to her roommate. But one thing I've also learned was that even if she shares this bond and learning experience with others, it will never be as strong as a bond we built growing up. Chapter 4 Highway 57. Our final story today is by guest contributor Lucy Liu. You will hear her reading aloud a personal essay she wrote for her LA Literary Culture class. When I first moved to Los Angeles, I had big hopes for the city. My mom just gave birth to my baby sister, who is peacefully asleep in the incubator of the Chalk Children's Hospital. She was two months early. I was too young to understand what was happening to my newborn sister and the reason mom and I drove down the 57 freeway almost every day of the week. I didn't understand the hospital either. With its large garden, cabinets filled with cake pops, a tiny library, and a talking turtle on the way down the hallway where my sister stayed. It seemed too happy to be a hospital. With all the walls painted pale blue and pink, but I sensed that things were not as light as they appeared to be. When I saw my mom lean back on the pale blue walls and wiped her tears away. The hospital pastor came and talked to my mom. Before he left, he gave me a hardcover book. On the childish illustrated cover, it reads, Children's Bible. I let myself feel the weight of the book. It was pretty heavy for a 10 years old. Not long after, we left the hospital with my sister in my mom's arms. It was the first genuine smile I've seen on my mom's face in a long while. For years after, my mom and I did not set foot on the 57 freeway. The hospital buildings with the blue teddy bear logo slowly faded from my memories. 
We bought a small house in Chino Hills. The dining room quickly flooded with boxes of baby stuff and housing essentials. It's only temporary. We will go back to China. My mom leaned against the walls of our house, twirling her car keys. Same pose as the night in the hospital, except the walls were yellow this time. I slept on the living room sofa for two months before I realized that this temporary home was not so temporary. I went to school in Chino, where everyone recites verses like the hospital pastor did. I found the children's Bible quite useful through my elementary school days. I stopped learning Chinese with the bulky textbooks my dad handed me every time he visited. The TV in our living room no longer plays the cartoons about the Monkey King Sun Wukong. Instead, a new monkey named Curious George replaces the mighty Sun Wukong alongside the man with the yellow hat. When I realized I didn't want a naked, illiterate monkey to become the symbol of my childhood, it was too late. It was three years ago since the last time I smelled the aromatic scent of roasted sweet potatoes on the cold winter streets in Beijing. In Chino Hills, there are no sweet potato or tanghulu vendors who scurry to run away when somebody yells "Cheng Guan Lai La" at the top of their lungs. I was scared. The memories of tanghulu and Sun Wukong started to become blurry. Mama, I want you to church. Mom was a little surprised, but took me to church with her on Sunday, anyways. The upstairs room of Chino Valley Community Church's Children's Administration Building. Held the weekly Chinese Bible study. An ayi in a pink dress and scarf stopped in front of me and gave me a black leather-covered Bible. She put her hand on top of my head and prayed for me. Her Chinese accent was a bit off, like the complicated traditional Chinese characters in the black leather Bible she gave me. Enough to understand, but still notice the unfamiliarities. On the way back home from church. My mom stopped by Ninety Nine Ranch to get groceries. When we got back to our tiny house in Chino Hills, she gave me a paper bag, tanghulu. I opened the bag with delight and sank my teeth in the glazed sanja. The tanghulu was melted. The sugar syrup stuck to my teeth. It's not like the tanghulu I ate in the Beijing streets, but it's a passing alternative. It was my fourth winter in LA when I drove on the CA57 again. The freeway was the same old freeway, stretching from the north to the south. Sunday night, traffic flowed smoothly. Floodlights at the Angel Stadium were on. I could see the movements of people in the large stadium, imagining their cheers. The Powerball billboard on the other side of the freeway shined with jumping neon numbers. Inside the car, my mom hummed to the song by Tao Zhe, played on AM 1300. The signals cuts off and on as we reach our rented condo in Mission Viejo. When my mom stopped the engine in the shared parking lot, the car radio would only make static noises. I laid in bed at the condo. Moonlight spilled through the blinds, shining on the school-bashed polo shirt on my chair. For the thousandth time that night, I repeated to myself, "This is only temporary. No matter how much I close my eyes shut." The morning still came. The line at the school got a lot shorter. Isaac has jumped off the same model of Tesla, wearing the same white polo shirt, the same bleached blonde streaks, and the same black and red Lululemon bags, overflowing with athletic wear. I learned to mute myself in the crowd. 
The conversation about last night's amazing yoga class becomes muffled as the voice in my head gets louder. This is only temporary. The week dragged on, and I was on Freeway 57 again. Friday afternoon traffic was always heavy. Radio station AM 1300 is playing its usual immigration law services and daily news programs. The news reporter stumbled on his words. He always does. My mom signed in annoyance and turned off the radio. So unprofessional, she would say every time. I can't help but think about the news reporter. He has the same accent as the pink dress Ayi at church. Maybe he wasn't a news reporter, just like the chef at Dim Sum China was an accountant in Shenzhen, or the truck driver in front of Nine Nine Ranch used to be a barber in Hunan. Leaning my forehead on the window, my vision becomes blurry. The vague shape of the Irvine Spectrum Ferris wheel passed, then the Angel Stadium, then the Discovery Cube. The exhibition poster on the cube changed again. A familiar figure encompassed the square surface. It was Curious George. Surprised, I let out a little exclamation. Maybe I will visit the exhibition one day when things aren't temporary anymore. You've been listening to K Web. This show was put together by our reporters Yvette Shu, Caitlin Delgado, Lucy Liu, Suki Zhang, and of course Miss Brosh. Thank you to everyone who contributed their voice and likeness to this episode. Stay tuned for our next episode coming out soon, and thank you for listening.